I'm Lucia. I'm Elena. And this is an Inconvenient Podcast. And this is an Inconvenient Podcast. (laughs) Thanks, Elena, for the backup. Hey, Elena. Hey, Lucia. How you doing? Good. Where are you recording from right now? I am recording from my childhood closet. So I quarantined for two weeks. I tested myself and now I am home visiting my parents in Iowa for Christmas for the holidays and I have a a pretty great walk-in closet. It's not only good for recording but it's also I feel like the quietest place in my house with my parents so uh it's also good for trying on hats like the big straw hat behind you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Did you wear that one as a teenager? Pretty hot? I did not wear that as a teenager, no. But I did have, I have a lot of hats that I thought I needed to be fashionable. But lo and behold, the hats that I own made me like less fashionable. So shocking revelation from my high school days. (laughs) Pretty much fits the vibe. Um, Where are you (laughs) recording from, Lucia? I'm recording from my desk that I work at all day long in my little home that's right next to my refrigerator for easy access. And um, yeah, nothing special here. Just surrounded by bowls of food and books that I've never read but that I have purchased. Wow. Really uh, different places. But we're both very close to our families because you are in your parents' basement. I am. I prefer garden apartment, but <laughs> technically, by zoning standards, I think they would call it a basement. Uh, Alicia lives in her parents' basement. <laughs> she lives in the back room. But it's a... <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's a hot, it's a good time, though. It's a good time. Um, uh, <laughs> should we get started? Yeah, do we have some environment and climate news? We do. There's a lot going on, and Joe Biden is starting to pick his climate cabinet. He's already chosen John Kerry as his czar um, for you Russian heads out there. But I, I thought, you know what, let's cover that when he actually does it. Right now it's sort of the dramatic lead up, and yeah. um, there's some other stuff going on that's a little more under the radar that is uh, pretty freaky. So my uh, my Thorn article this week is from Guardian, The Guardian, which is uh, personally one of my favorite places to get environmental news because they always have stuff I don't see other places. Um, so the, the title is uh, The North Carolina Hog Industry's Answer to Pollution, a $500 million pipeline project. So this is... If if you eat sausage, I'm really sorry because you won't after this. Oh, or no. you probably will. Well, I it's feel probably... like people still eat. People know what's wrong with people our know. meat industry and they eat it. So I think we're okay. The hog industry is specifically disgusting. Yeah. And um, so this follows the story of a woman named Elsie Herring in Duplin. It's either Duplin or Duplin County, North Carolina. She's actually, I looked at some other articles she, I mean, she's been fighting uh, for this environmental justice issue like since the 80s. She lives at her family home in North Carolina, and she has bared the brunt of pollution from a nearby industrial hog farm for a very long time. Um, and 
they describe the experience of stepping outside as just being like unbearably disgusting. It's literally, you have to make a decision uh, like whether or not you're going to go outside that day because of how gross it is. So, um, so there are reasons for this. Uh, there are 4,000 waste lagoons in North Carolina, uh, which I had no idea about. And they are giant pink pools of bright pink sludge Ew. where, yeah, bright pink sludge. Ooh, bright that's an improv name sludge. if I've ever heard it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can't be Chicago without improv. So, so there are these giant pink pools of bright pink sludge where industrial farms across the state dispose of billions of gallons of untreated pig urine and feces and blood every year. Oh, my God. Um, it's absolutely disgusting. They're, the the hog industry creates so much waste, um, and but it's also responsible for a lot of jobs. So there are, like, 19,000 people employed from this industry. It's, like, a $10 million industry. Um but North Carolina has about 9.5 million hogs for sale at any given time. And those 9.5 million hogs produce over 10 billion gallons of waste, which is so much waste. It's absolutely disgusting. And like I said before, it's a mix of their poop, their pee, and blood. Um, sort of like guns, germs, and steel, except uh, poop, pee, blood. And um, it, it's created a massive environmental justice problem because it affects uh, water and the local environment um, and people living nearby, especially. Um, so what's extra disgusting about this is when waste lagoons reach their capacity of waste, they spray the excess waste onto nearby fields like irrigation. So oh my gosh. Wait, so like fertilizer or like, like water? Like water, like the photos literally show like, you know, like coming out of an irrigation channel. Oh, my God. It's so disgusting. And so and so there are so many fumes in the air. There's just so much pollution. It's literally going into the groundwater. Um And yeah, it's just absolutely disgusting. It's a huge environmental justice issue because most of the people who live in areas where there are hog farms are black people, Native Americans, and Latinos. Uh, they're more likely to live in those areas than white people. Um, and living near industrial hog operations has been linked to chronic illnesses such as asthma, anemia, kidney disease, certain cancers, and high blood pressure. No surprise there. So the hog industry wants to create a $500 million pipeline project where they would be capturing methane from these lagoons and using it um, and like selling it basically. In 2000, uh, Smithfield Foods agreed with state officials in North Carolina to finance research to find and install alternatives to the waste lagoons and spraying systems, but none were deemed economically feasible. So instead of finding an alternative and a better waste system, they've just decided that they want to use the hog lagoons, like I said, to collect transport and sell methane gas. Oh my gosh. So to most people looking at the situation, it just looks like they're trying to profit off of an environmental catastrophe that they created. Um, yeah. And they're not actually treating the waste, they're converting it because the waste never actually gets clean uh, because they still require pigs uh, waste and 
blood to um, to have this system. So it's like it's just fully putting a giant bandage over pig blood. And um, the North Carolina Department of Environmental Quality is currently considering the first permit approval for an industrial scale biogas project in NC, which would cap waste lagoons from pig farms in the state and then capture the methane and transport it through pipelines to a processing plant. And understandably, local people and environmental groups are worried that this will make the problem worse. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it. Which it probably will. That's, it's, it's crazy that I feel like I keep <laughs> learning about new environmental injustices throughout the United States. Like, constantly, I feel like I'm like, oh, man, they couldn't come up with, like, a new terrible thing to ruin our planet and the people that live on it but no 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 they can like they can and it's i hadn't even heard about hog hog lagoons lagoons, (laughs) pink gunk and like just the i didn't even think about like pollution from the hog industry because i know there's pollution yeah I, i know there's pollution in farming and such but yeah, I never thought about that, and that's really gross. And that they yeah. are, and now they're just gonna try to make more money off of it. Yeah, that's uh, that actually sounds really typical. And maybe I shouldn't be yeah, surprised. It... Well, it's interesting because this fits the exact definition of environmental justice or an environmental injustice. It's yeah, affecting. It's like what you would expect. It's like affecting people of color it um is in a rural area though that's it's not always in a rural area but it's like in a poorer area um and then it's causing a bunch of disease and there's just absolutely no regard for the people for the community living there and the community really doesn't get a say so this project is called the grady road project this pipeline project um and it would trap gas at 19 hog plants and install over 30 miles of pipelines, um, which will be connected to a central processing facility and distributed through existing natural gas pipelines. Um, and yeah, this just like really makes the, pro- the, the problem so much worse because you're just introducing another environmental problem because pipelines always have serious risks of spills and leaks, and especially methane. Like methane is such, it's way more potent than carbon dioxide. Um, And so if it leaks, it's going to leak into wetlands and groundwater. Um, And also the process creates excessive concentrations of ammonia um, through the methane extraction process. So yeah, it just basically like, it's just a way of them justifying the system that's already in place because it, it's making them look like innovative, but they're not actually addressing the problem and it's not going to like really help the communities yeah, at all. Yeah. If anything, they're just putting in a big pipeline through people's land and exactly it's like the opposite of what people probably <laughs> want. Exactly. It's so disgusting. And so, yeah, there's just like a lot of air and water pollution yeah. currently emitted by the lagoons and sprayers because it's, literally just spraying well it's putting it's basically like the sprayers are basically putting all this crap back into the groundwater but then think of just how bad that would smell like i don't even want to 
I don't even want to imagine it. It I can't imagine how bad that smells. It just must terrible. be absolutely just, just they're just open lagoons of pig shit basically. Yeah. It's hog s h i t. Yeah, and blood. That's gross too. And blood. That's, that's so it's gross. So blood and shit. Blood and also just knowing what's going on in these hog slaughterhouses is like the, they're probably, they're most definitely, you know, they have antibiotics and hormones injected into them. So that's also coming out in the pig waste. And yeah, just that. And then like, who knows what else they're dumping in the lagoons? Probably other chemicals. I mean, that yeah. is me being a conspiracy theorist, but no, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, yeah, yeah. it's not just pig poop. Poop sounds like such a silly word to say. Feces sounds Feces, 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 yeah. pig feces, feces, yeah. pig feces, peepee, and <laughs> and blood. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Feces sounds better, but peepee's just right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But you know, it's not like they just have three buckets that they're putting in there. There's definitely other stuff. Yeah. So what's also messed up is that so they had there are also like all these legal issues around this. The the Democratic governor vetoed a bill that would protect the hog industry from lawsuits from like communities and environmental groups, mm-hmm. uh, like nuisance lawsuits. Um, so he vetoed that. And then the GOP controlled le- legislator overturned the veto, uh, like immediately in 2017. So there's just a lot of legal like protections around Smithfield foods. No surprise. Um, and I mean, it, it's just so interesting because our country, I think this year especially showed our country is so obsessed and dependent on uh, the meat processing. Because remember at the beginning of the year when we needed to shut everything down and- Yeah, people were like, um, where will we get our meat? Like people were- They're like, no, we can't. But then the the, the pork, pro- was it pork processing? I think so. It was, uh, the facilities were kept open and then they had like the biggest- Yeah. Uh, they had the biggest threats. And I mean, that's also a major justice issue because a lot of the people who work at those plants are minorities um and yeah there was the one of the biggest people. ones in the united states was at tyson foods which is in waterloo mm-hmm. which is um my my like my hometown uh which is where elena lives yeah i'm, in, I'm in the basement of ep- tyson foods <laughs> <laughs> no uh but it was really really terrible and there's more and more news coming out um that i that i've been looking at that has just been talking about the honest honestly human rights abuses that are happening at the at Tyson Foods and uh how which is a huge conflict of interest for you because I you're living your in family, the basement you're an heiress <laughs> of Tyson uh I am not uh but Tyson Foods we does. are just sponsored <laughs> yeah sponsor our podcast um <laughs> that's my favorite that's my favorite yeah, uh that's, that's favorite my favorite bit, surprise our, yeah but we do really bit. uh Tyson Foods it's a terrible place and they have been they have been at the forefront of just so many COVID-19 cases and so many deaths by COVID-19 cases that is appalling and they should go to prison for for a very long time so yeah it's uh but it's all for that sausage yeah it's all for it's all for that Iowan in exported sausage so (laughs) sausage um, Nothing like Iowan sausage. 
Yeah, it's gross. I mean, the whole industry, it's just an example of, God, the problem. I mean, like, we just, I have no, uh, I I have a little meat from time to time. I have no, you know, no judgment about that. But we've just gotten so used, as like modern people, we've gotten so used to having it available Mm -hmm. um, because we don't look behind the curtain of, like the only way we can have as much meat as we have is for plants to like keep, this to yeah, exist. Yeah, to keep, to keep abusing animals and to keep abusing humans. So, um, on that note, <laughs> on that note, um, so my piece is a little is different, uh, and I thought it was really strange. So I thought I would bring it to this Ooh. episode today. Uh, I was looking at an article called uh, These Ladies Love Natural Gas, Too Bad They Aren't Real, uh, by Rebecca Labor uh, from Mother Jones. And the article pretty much, so pretty much what happens is that the reporter on the story, Rebecca, got a tip from somebody who said that the woman and the testimonials on the grassroots organization's webpage Women for Natural Gas, which is created by the grassroots organization Texans for Natural Gas, which is an organization that's all about, like, fracking and natural gas and making sure we don't lose our jobs, like a really pro-oil and gas organization. Mm -hmm. And this tip came through that was, like, the women and the testimonials on this webpage are not real. They're not real. So uh, classic, classic, classic so, catfish. The, re- the reporter started digging around and she discovered that two of the women were stock photos. And the last one was the editor at large <laughs> at LinkedIn who had no idea they were using her photo. <laughs> right. Uh, I wish they had used mine. Right. Yeah. And uh, so because the reporter had called uh, this editor at large at LinkedIn and was like, do you know that your photos on this website? And she's like, no, I've, and she's like, thank you for telling me because there would have been no way I actually would have gone to women for natural gas. Like I would have (laughs) never clicked on that. Um, That's a career destroyer right there. Yeah. So eventually the photo of this real person was taken down after the LinkedIn lawyer, a LinkedIn lawyer contacted the place twice they finally amazing took it down. Movie, amazing movie with Matthew McConaughey, <laughs> LinkedIn lawyer. <laughs> oh, man, the testimonial, <laughs> uh, the testimonials stayed the same, but the photo, uh, the photo changed. And now there are no photos at all on the website. They're all just kind of like silhouetted women and saying like testimonials from like these, these oh like silhouettes. Gosh. Like, so all the photos were taken down. But what's crazy about it was the reporter noticed that like, the photos would change and the names would stay the same throughout the months and the testimonials would kind of switch around, but they would stay the same as well. So it was obviously like all bullshit. Um, but every time... Why were they moving that around? <laughs> Who was this website designer? He's <laughs> like, you know what? I just feel like that silhouette does not go with that fake uh, yeah, testimonial. It's, like... <laughs> it's all like fake, right? And... So, uh, and the reporter has like contacted um, Texans for Natural Gas uh, numerous times with no response. But she does find out that Texans for Natural Gas use a consulting firm called FTI Consulting, which was the bud of an NY Times investigation just last month over fake grassroots organizations and websites that appeared to be f- for the fossil fuel industry 
and they're they are the ones that are hired by Texas for natural gas, which is I didn't fully read the NY Times article, but like it's pretty much they're just creating these fake websites and grassroots organizations that are proponents for the natural gas industry. Interesting. Right. And the firm admitted to using stock photos for Texans for natural gas in the NY Times piece. Yet when pressed on whether, you know, the specific photo testimonial, um, the firm said that it used that the firm said that it was a private contractor hired by a gas and oil client who did the woman for natural gas stuff. And again, like nobody's really answering this reporter's calls. So there's like, like, it's like dead silent. And then it goes even because there's no one there because they don't exist. It's like, it's, it's so whack. I like, <laughs> I can't get over how crazy this article is. And this is all coming from like somebody who like some woman who has no idea her face is getting that used on this website. Crazy. And then, you know what else is crazy? I'm on this website right now. It's like a well-designed website, yeah. which means they probably put in like $30,000. Wait, are you on it. women for natural gas? Yes. Yeah. It's, but ghost, if you scroll down to the bottom, you're going to see these silhouetted testimonials. Yeah, which aren't even good testimonials. Yeah, they're like, just like a make sentence. up better. T- <laughs> it just says Janice D just said providing jobs and low fuel prices in Texas. And uh, but Carrie White, I'm pretty sure. Wait, I want to check, but I feel like Carrie White was the one that. Okay, yeah, Carrie White was the one that was actually the woman from LinkedIn, and she's like so her. Her quote is still... So they just kept the name? They kept the name and perhaps the quote, but then they just, like, took away the photo and it's just, like, this silhouetted woman. The abundance All of the oil and gas in Texas... the same. Yeah. Helps keep the prices at the pump lawyer. Thank you, Carrie White. So, <laughs> um, but what's even crazy, Lucia? So I, I can't look it up because I'm recording on my phone, but I want you to go on Instagram and I need you to look up frack feed like frack like fracking and then feed right afterwards okay going all right they have more followers than me um but it's read read some of this stuff read some of it out loud these memes yeah okay this is a picture of amy poehler and mean girls i'm not like the other moms i'm a cool mom i support fracking yeah I mean, these are decent. They have a SpongeBob breathe it, breathes in me about to school a fractivist with real facts after their rant, and then he puts his yeah. hands down and says, "Boy, it's it's like just chock full of memes that are supporting <laughs> fracking, and it's like, but every I once in a while this. there are memes that are like directed toward women, <laughs> and so then this reporter." does some more investigations because she asked she asked texans for natural gas she's like why are you guys so interested in like like women like why why did you make a whole site designated for women for natural gas and so there's like several reasons kind of behind that so the gas and oil industry has been really uh plagued with sexual harassment suits um and so she gave some examples of times that um like one female oil worker filed a hundred million dollar suit against an oil oil feed services company in june um alleging that women who work on oil rigs are sexually assaulted sexually harassed groped leered at and treated as sexual objects by their male colleagues um and that is just one example of what i think is numerous uh cases sexual assault abuse cases and harassment suits uh, to the natural um 
oil and gas industry. Uh, but she also thinks it might be just that Republican and Democratic women tend to care more about the environment and climate change. Polling has generally showed that. So they want to make they want to make like the oil and gas industry like cool and trendy. like so they and these are definitely like memes that your mom would share right and so but it's so it's so off-putting for obvious reasons but it's just so strange that they're that they're they're really trying to tackle the women market and so like this reporter who I love and I would if you're listening to this, I would definitely suggest that you follow Rebecca Labor and her stories at Mother Jones. She's great. And I would definitely check out Frack Feed to see, my fa- to see their my content. One, my favorite one is a woman's pink nails, uh, nailed hands holding up a fortune cookie with a fortune that says, the love of your life will appear in front of you unexpectedly. And behind it is a giant, like... <laughs> fracking machine there is... this is so bizarre and then someone commented i'm waiting dot 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 there's a really great one that is the cart the kardashian sisters and then like right on it's a split screen so it's the kardashian sisters on top and then it's three like um fracking units and it says name a more iconic trio oh wait <laughs> Oh, wait, and their profile links to another profile, which is, what pump jack are you? And it's like, you know how there was there were the memes going around where you would have your name on, like, a frog or, like, a cat? This is people's names in front of... Oh, in front pump, of... Pump jacks. No, wait, I didn't even see this. Oh, yeah, my I'll gosh, yeah. Me. If you look up what pump jack you are, it has 66 followers. It has multiple different spellings of jack. Of Zach on the same one. This, this is, is so. This is. I think we'll wild. put this as yeah. our cover photo. Uh, I think we'll link this as well. Can we do that? <laughs> yes, it's okay. a resource. We'll link this as a resource for you. If you could find your name attached to one of these pumping jacks, I. Amazing for you, really. If you want your name in front of a pump jack, you might have to DM them. You might have to do, which they would probably be really. Oh my gosh, they also have. Wow, this is just a lot. Yeah, I... Every letter name is available. Very exciting. Very exciting. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that was uh, my... <laughs> I want to say this is a thorn because I, I feel like <laughs> I found this really weird social media market for fracking in the oil industry, and I'm it's upsetting. It's very disturbing. I think the most disturbing part of that was <laughs> learning. I mean, there's so many disturbing parts about that, but learning about the sexual assault. I think that's that's the thorn. That's a thorn oh, that's in that story. Absolutely, and it's also that makes a lot of sense. It's not that. I mean, it's it's like the army. It's like any male dominated industry where you know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And. Um... I can't imagine people treat it seriously when it does happen. So, um, yes. But also, it was it was interesting. Was the woman whose was face was used um, on the webpage for Women for Natural Gas? Um, she made a point um, when she was talking to the reporter, where she's like, "Well, how do I trust anything anymore? Like, how do I trust any yeah. grassroots organization or website or?" Like, how do I know these testimonials are going to be true? Like, how much is fabricated? Um, and that, um, well, I'll never trust, 
I I came into this really trusting the gas and oil industry, and now I feel like I really they've lost a lot of my trust. I lost all that trust for testimonials when I was in fifth grade, and my best friend at the time's dad was making his own web design website, and all the testimonials used were from family members, and oh, that's when I knew. That's you when can't you trust. knew. Yeah. Well. <sighs> That, that was, I think, the rosiest thorn we're ever going to have on this podcast. Yeah, I think it was a thorn that made us laugh a little, but it was also a uh, disturbing well, thorn. So. Just goes to show that how much misinformation there is. It's the same. I mean, there are so many climate denial websites just like this that have been created. And it's like really trendy and cool websites. Mm-hmm. And so it looks legit, um, but it's absolutely not. And for people who are, don't look deeper into it, I mean, you could easily fall for this. I could easily, easily think that Carrie Woods uh, thinks that natural gas is a great alternative, (laughs) period. Uh, Yeah, I know. She's great. She's great. Um, So let's let's see what roses we have for us today. Yay. Um, So mine's very quick. Um, you could re- just read the headline and get it, but I think it's exciting. Uh, another, this is my second transportation rose in a row. Last week I had airplanes, and this week I have electric cars this is from Fast Company. Um, it came out today. The price of electric car batteries has dropped 89% in 10 years which is really exciting Mm -hmm. um, because in just a few more years, it will be really... Wait, we're going to have to... Sorry, I just burped. (laughs) (laughs) Keep it in! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're not editing that out. Okay, so the price of electric car batteries has dropped 89% in 10 years. This is from Fast Company, Mm -hmm. and the author is Adele Peters. So a decade ago, lithium-ion battery packs used in electric cars used to cost around $1,100 per kilowatt hour. And this year, a new survey shows that the cost has fallen 89% to $137 per kilowatt hour. Um, And by 2023... Uh, it's likely that the cost is going to fall far enough that car companies can make and sell mass market electric vehicles, which are also known as EVs, at the same cost as cars running on fossil fuels. Which is, it's just so exciting because, like, especially when Teslas came out, it really just seemed like electric vehicles were luxuries and only the rich could afford them, which is how a lot of new technology, most new technologies start out, you know. Um, like any Apple product or whatever, it always seems like it's not accessible for most people. And then it usually, in time, that technology becomes more affordable. It was the same with the cell phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's just exciting because we already know that on all levels of manufacturing, um, EVs are more environmentally sustainable. The main, like the main issue with um, electric vehicles is the is where the battery materials come from. There are some human rights issues, like with cobalt, mm-hmm. um, which I, I won't talk about in this r- rose because I didn't prepare that information. Um, <laughs> but 
like the the battery technology is going to continue to improve. And one thing I, I hadn't really considered until recently, which is really it's another really cool feature of electric cars, is that, you know one of my biggest fears in life is um, dying in a giant car fire. And the way electric vehicles are made, like wait, it just, is that your that's, biggest? That's your biggest fear in life is dying in a drive. Driving in general really makes me anxious. Just because, you know, you can just crash and burn, literally. And, uh, you know, it's not my biggest fear, but definitely when I'm driving on a highway in my car, which constantly feels like it's going to break into a million pieces, um, it's a general concern. And one thing that's cool about electric vehicles is it's not made, it doesn't have all the oil um, that's in a regular car. And also, like, the braking system's different. It Electric cars don't use, like, all this, like, what are they called? It's not a chemical reaction, but it's basically constant little like fires going in the engine to propel it. And electric vehicles don't have that. You have to keep the car maintained in other ways, but like you don't need oil changes. It's a, it's cleaner in general. Um, the braking system is more advanced. Um, yeah. So I, I just think it's so exciting. So safer I can't wait and to get... more sustainable. Safer and more sustainable, less likely you'll die in a fire. And that's what we're looking for. for yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah. I thought that ne- the next car I buy will, like, I was like, I, I really can't afford an electric vehicle, though ideally I would want one. And and then I listened to my favorite podcast currently, which will link um, How to Save a Planet. And they were talking about um, the comparison between electric vehicles and used vehicles. Even if it's a used vehicle you're buying, it's less environmentally friendly than a used electric vehicle. Just things like that. Just overall, it's better to get an electric. Mm-hmm. Um, but also that it's just getting so much more affordable that... Like, it's so exciting that it's a possibility. I just always thought it wouldn't, I wouldn't get one. And now I can soon. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's really exciting, especially when, like, all of us were just banking on hybrids. <laughs> and now <laughs> and now we can actually have, like, a full electric-powered car, which is really cool. And Yeah, what's wild is, like, we thought, like, Priuses for so long seemed like the best thing you can do environmentally. You're, you know, like one of the best things you can do, and it's really, it's, but it's still creating emissions. So it really isn't. Yeah, it was just the technology we had at the time was like a little better, but it still was, you know, putting a lot of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere and relying on the oil industry. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you can only hope that people who are working in material science. Um, like we visited um, Argonne National Laboratory when we mm-hmm. were in school and they were working on um, lithium ion batteries for electric powered vehicles and, and such. And um, it's interesting that they do really look at the issue with cobalt, which is, you know, is really um, needed for these electric powered batteries, uh, but has been so linked with human rights uh, abuses in Africa. So, mm-hmm. um, and in Russia and I might, I might do that article next week. Russian indigenous populations, uh, are, there's major environmental justice issues there. Let's just say that. Well, I look, I look forward to it. And I also look for your solution on the issue with cobalt. <laughs> <laughs> I expect no, a not- 
500 page document. Yeah, it's Cobalt Week. Cobalt. It'll be like Great British Baking Show. <laughs> Cobalt Week. <laughs> um, great. So yeah, that's my that's my rose. Um, well, speaking of Russia, my rose is really just a rose for Russia and also a rose for all countries and that are north of the northern border of the United States. So Canada and Russia and northern Europe. Um, And it's an article called How Russia Wins the Climate Crisis by Abram Luskarten. And it was published in... Our boy. Yeah, our boy. Uh, It was published in the New York Times. Sorry, it was published in... The New York Times Magazine, sorry, there's a okay. distinction. Um, and there it's is. part of this project, a series on global climate migration, which is a partnership between ProPublica, New York Times Magazine, and it's supported by the Pulitzer Center. So there's a part one and part two, which talked about like what global climate migration is going to look like in the future and how scary that is. And I'm sure maybe you've seen some of their pieces or or seen like side pieces for it or something like that. But it's... um. A really important series. I would definitely check it out. But their last piece in the article or in the series is about how when our climate starts warming, like countries that are south are going to not be as they're not going to be able to produce as much food anymore. And that's been known for a long time. And that's going to be the case in the United States as well. We're, it's just that it's going to get too warm for us to produce the same amount of food that we've been producing before, um, which is going to be detrimental to our planet and it's going to cause mass migration. But what hasn't been talked about as much is that these northern countries like Russia and Canada, um, and the piece focused more um, specifically on Russia, there, these lands that Russia and these countries have had for so long that have been unusable because it's so cold are warming up and now they're going to be able to produce lots of food in areas that have never been able to do that before. So um, 2 million square miles of now frozen land in Asian Russia, which is Eastern Russia will be usable by 2080. Two wow. million square miles of now frozen land. So the article goes through about how um, it kind of breaks down how countries to the south are going to slowly start um, failing. So the national uh, per capita income in the United States might be a third less than it would be in a non warming world. Hmm. India's would be 30 or 32, 92% less and China's future growth. Yeah. China's future growth would be cut down by nearly a half. And then on the flip side, Canada, Scandinavia, Iceland, Russia could each see as much as five, five fold bursts in their per capita uh, gross domestic products by the end of the century. So long as they have enough people to power their economies to that level, which ends up being like another part of the issue is that Russia and Canada, they just don't have as much populous as some of these southern countries do so they could really maybe benefit from migration and there could they could benefit mm. from from you know letting people in through their borders so they gave the example of how there's only 38 million people in Canada and Canadians are dying at a faster rate than they're being born um wow i didn't know yeah that. so but 
they are going to have, if the climate crisis continues on the route that it's going, they're going to have... going to be a Canadian citizen soon. Yeah. yeah, like, we should all move to Canada, is what I'm, what this article really is telling you. Um, or Russia. Um, and, but they're going to need workers to work all this land that they're probably going to have now. So, um, countries like Russia, which are known for being incredibly xenophobic, uh, should try to, um, kind of open their borders more for people to come through, um, and open their minds and open, yeah, and open their minds. Um, and it's also, um, in Siberia, which is known as being, you know, so unusable, um, more than 2 million square miles could become available for farming in 2080. Hmm. Um, and it has the capacity to support potential, uh, climate migrates, uh, migrants, migrates, migrants. Um, so it, it's kind of this like weird way of looking at, or a different way of looking at, um, the climate it's crisis. A positive spin. Um, even Vladimir, <laughs> Vladimir Putin once said even that we, we could <laughs> spend less on fur coats and the grain harvest would go up. <laughs> so. Classic Putin. Classic Putin knows what's going on. Um, furthermore, uh, the steady melting of the Arctic sea ice will open up new shipping lanes that would cut transit times from the Southeast Asia to Europe by about 40% and also shorten the time travel um, to the United States, positioning Russia to profit by controlling this route between China and the West, which is really important for them as well. Sounds like Putin planned all of this. That's what I was reading this and it felt like it it felt like Russian has known all along <laughs> that they are that they're behind behind all of this. Um, and another thing I hadn't even thought of is that apart from St. Petersburg and maybe a, a couple other cities, most of Russian Russia's largest and most important military bases are not at the coast. Unlike the United hmm. States, where we have kind of everything piled on the coast, and that's going to be a huge yeah, that's our thing. Yeah, it's going to be a a huge issue when everything starts flooding and the article talks about how uh, like we we're just not preparing at all really and and this is going to be detrimental to our future but places like russia they are their cities are are pretty protected they're gonna thrive <laughs> they're gonna thrive um yeah so, interesting i mean not to put another thorn in your rose but uh yeah, yes, those areas will be maybe open to farming, but will the permafrost have been so Well, they talked about they talked about permafrost and the so the piece is really long and it goes through kind of a lot of a lot of concepts and they say that the permafrost melting will actually actually be like it'll open up more farming land. But will it release so much gas? Yeah, that yeah, it's a good, the it's a good climate point. will change so drastically by that point. Yeah, I mean, I, I think know. like this it's is going to be a fun surprise. This is just looking at like one part one of potential. Yeah, one part of the climate crisis because it's true. It's it's true that these northern countries are going to more they're going to benefit more from the climate crisis than the southern countries because they're yeah they're going to gain land um to farm and and such and. But again, also like Asia and Russia is really sparse 
it a lot of people don't live there and um now Russia's trying to figure out how to like get people to leave the cities on the on the um hmm. on the west to like move over to the east to start farming land and it's been kind of messy and um you can tell that Russia knows what's going on. They like know <laughs> that they're going to come out on top for a lot of these other countries, <laughs> but I feel like they're still a kind of screwed up country, so there's a lot of there's a lot of obstacles in trying to do any of the things that they think they can do. <laughs> um and uh yeah, and it's obviously there's a lot of like like you mentioned the permafrost, there's all these other factors of climate change that go into something like this, but it's important to see that like climate migration is going to keep going more and more and more north, like past the United States mm. to, to these other countries. And um, there's a really great line kind of towards the bottom of this piece that says accommodation and abundance of migration research shows stands a better chance of preserving Russia's own sovereignty while improving the stability of its surrounding regions. Um, exclusion is likely to lead to endless conflict and chaos on its borders, which risks spilling over in destabilizing ways. And I think um, that's kind of for everybody in the whole world is that as these climate migrants start moving, they're going to be moving in absolute masses in the next mm. century. Like that we... It's going to be like the Syrian crisis. Yeah, and it's 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 so much better for everybody to keep our borders open and to mm. really be attentive to what's going on because in the end it's going to be like working with each other that's going to save us. And I know that sounds very whimsical especially now since everybody hates each other um especially united states because we're run by crooks and liars and terrible people yeah. so um it feels like for me being pretty optimistic but we sh we do really need to come together here uh we need to bring open borders including the bookstore including the bookstore um and one more thing i wanted to say it's a piece of the article that I want to read mm -hmm. that like is crazy and then I will end my turn <laughs> okay so in 2010 when wildfires and drought conspired to ruin Russia's grain harvests Putin banned the exporting of wheat in order to protect his own people then watched oh, that's right. yeah then watched as global wheat prices tripled the world reeled in response from pakistan to indonesia poverty increased high prices rocketed delicate political balances in syria morocco and egypt where about 40 percent of the daily caloric intake is from bread the shortages poured fuel on the arab springs uprisings mm. which eventually pushed millions of migrants to toward Europe with destabilizing efforts, a bonus for Russians' interests. And much of this turmoil began with wheat. And I think that's, mm -hmm. like, that's crazy how, like, one little thing, it's not even that little, but, like, the wildfire, the wildfires and drought in Russia, which is caused by climate change primarily, mm -hmm. caused all this civil unrest in all these different regions of the world. Yeah, not a lot of people know about the wildfires in Russia. They were big. Yeah, they were they were really crazy. There was a lot of damage. And it's it's crazy then I didn't know all these continuing factors that that were involved 
like the Arab Spring uprisings, which I know had a lot of other factors to them, but mm. that drought. But this is just one thing that leads to a lot of political instability. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think people realize that how connected climate change is to all of this. It's so connected. Where there's drought, where there's where there's famine, where there's um, um, that instability, it's going to follow conflict. Fom- conflict's going to be there. <laughs> What's the Hamilton quote? Every we said this the last, <laughs> <laughs> and I edited it out. <laughs> Wait, you did every every. It didn't fit once the edits were going. Yeah. Every wait. Every react equal opposite reaction. Every reaction has an equal and opposite reaction. No, it's every something. Every every action. Every action has, has, an, has an, equal, an equal and opposite okay. reaction. Hamilton. Anyway, um, anyway, that was start learning Russian now. That was mine. Which I guess is is a rose and mostly a thorn. But I I thought it was kind of a rose. It's a rose and there are like maybe potential positives. Though they're they're overall very bad, but like hope because we're inevitably gonna experience a lot of planetary change, hopefully it's not all bad. I I think so. Um but I'm not optimistic. on that note i'm hungry um, i'm hungry yeah i gotta go i gotta go eat with my parents i gotta get out of my childhood closet (laughs) get out of that closet (laughs) um take some hats wear some hats to dinner have a good time my mom will be like why are you wearing that or maybe not maybe she'll she'll think it's a fun hat she bought me a lot of hats as a kid (laughs) then now she's like you never wear any of these hats. <laughs> I wear a hat to dinner. I'll prove her wrong. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go make tacos.